it fits very well with the topic for this morning, with uh, what I want to share with you this morning. Um, I want to talk about there is forgiveness in Jesus. And that's what we've been doing and thinking already this morning uh, with the songs, with the communion. Um, first of all, uh, last, Friday, uh, last Friday we had a wedding of Tommy and Teresia, and they want to give thanks to all the church uh, for the help, for the prayers, for the involvement. And there is a bit of cake from the wedding. So after the service, if you want to have some wedding cake, you are uh, welcome to, to join the back. Okay, so just a, a bit about myself. I think that most of you know me already, but if there is someone visiting the church this morning, I'm Juanma, uh, I'm a member of this church, and as you know, I'm originally from Spain, uh, and I came to Bradford in 2009, and originally, I came to do a doctoral degree at the University uh, of Bradford in the Department of Peace Studies. So this department uh, in Bradford University, actually it was the first one in the whole world to offer uh, PhD in Peace Studies from the 70s, and then many other around the world did it follow. But uh, by the end of 2009, I got involved with the work of Global Cafe. As the most of you know, Global Cafe uh, worked with international students. It's a Christian charity in Bradford, and basically for all these years I've been looking after international students, sharing with them uh, the good news about Jesus and cooking food with them. And uh, in Global Cafe is where I came to, to know my wife, Kesia, because uh, she was helping there too. And we used to dish, uh, to, to wash dishes together, we used to cook together for the students, and then we became good friends and we got married in 2012. And now we, we got two little boys, Jonah, he's three years old, and Benaya, he's, uh, six months, he was the baby around there crying a little bit. <laughs> um, in 2015, I completed my doctoral degree, which was focused on the topic of forgiveness, actually, after violent conflicts. Therefore, as you can imagine, for a few years I've been reading a few books about forgiveness and a few articles. And today I want to share that the real forgiveness is in Jesus. That there is forgiveness in Jesus. That's, that's the, to, uh, the title of my message for this morning. And I think I got a little PowerPoint. If, uh, if it's working. So in order to arrive to that conclusion, uh, we have uh, a look to some points this morning. Yeah. So first, we will think about what forgiveness is talking about human forgiveness and divine forgiveness. Um, basically, human forgiveness will be horizontal, from person to person. We can forgive people that uh, when they treat us wrongly, we can do it, we can forgive people. Or we can be forgiven by others when we have treated wrongly others. On the other hand, there is divine forgiveness, which will be vertical from God to person. Secondly, we will defend that this divine forgiveness is available in Jesus. We've been singing about this this morning. And that means that Jesus has the right and the power to forgive uh, human groans or sins committed against God. But first of all, we, we have a look to the text for today. It's Mark chapter 2, from, uh, from 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles. If not, uh, you can follow... The text here with me. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. 
They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not, not, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Go to the next slide. Yeah. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Uh, so we go to the next slide. Okay, so that's a great passage. It's a beautiful passage to preach about. Uh, it's a beautiful story. This is something that really happened 2,000 years ago. So this is a historical fact. fact. And a bit of context to this story. Uh, Jesus, he was already known in Capernaum uh, before this, this story. Um, actually, he was from Galilee. Capernaum is a little town from Galilee. Around, it was around 1,500 people at that time. Before the healing of this paralytic man, Jesus had been there at other times. He, he was there uh, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the good news, uh, liberating a man that was possessed by an evil spirit. He was healing many other people of different diseases. diseases. And now Jesus is visiting Capernaum again. Uh, he's in a house, and although the text doesn't say what house uh, Jesus was at that moment, probably it was Peter's house, because uh, Peter, he, used, uh, he had a house there. Um, this time, Jesus is inside the house. Uh, the text says that it was full of people inside and full of people outside. A house around that time will have, a, a average house will have capacity for 50 people. And maybe outside, uh, we can say it will be around 150, 200 people. So if you think that the town was 1,500 people, we have almost 20% of the town listening to Jesus that day there. Uh, they were really uh, looking for Jesus. Uh, um. So what was Jesus preaching about? Although in this occasion the text doesn't say what Jesus was preaching about, we only need to go uh, one chapter in Mark 1.15, one chapter behind, to see what uh, was Jesus' message. And there we see that it says, the time has come, he said, Jesus. The kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. That was the central message of Jesus. Jesus was preaching about repentance, about believing the good news. Here in this picture, in this slide, you can see a, that's an old synagogue, the ruins of a synagogue in, in Capernaum. So we don't know if that was the synagogue Jesus was teaching, but it could be. Uh, you can see in the map also that what is Capernaum is it's by the Sea of Galilee. So this is, these are real facts. This is real uh, history. This is something that really happened. Um, and so it's great. We can visit this and we can think about this. Okay, so 
before talking about divine forgiveness, let's think a little bit about human forgiveness. Okay. Human forgiveness, as I say, means forgiving others horizontally uh, or being forgiven by others. And in, in the Bible, we can read that in one occasion, Peter asked, uh, asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Lord? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times in Matthew 18. So basically, Jesus is encouraging us to forgive our brothers and sisters constantly. Every time your brother or your sister sins against you, Jesus is encouraging you to forgive. Um, but I think we should clarify some, uh, just a few general aspects about this human forgiveness. And I, I, want, I want to acknowledge and I want to say, first of all, that forgiven is difficult. We know that uh, it's, it's beautiful to talk about forgiveness until you have to forgive someone. Uh, because forgiving is difficult. Forgiving those who have grown us is not easy. Especially if they are our family or our friends because something has been broken. Because you trust those who love you. And if they grown you in some way and that trust is, is damaged, it's a, it's, it can be even more difficult to, to forgive those that uh, are part of your circle than forgive those who you don't know very well. So if we want to forgive, we will struggle because there is agony in forgiveness. Um, nevertheless, this is a healing agony that, uh, that helps us to keep walking in life and not just being stuck in that event, that, uh, in that suffering for the rest of our lives. So we need to forgive to keep walking in our lives. So secondly, it's important to notice that I have, each of us, we have the right to forgive someone that grown me. So uh, I can forgive a person that sins against me, but it's not up to me to forgive someone that sins against you. That's your right. And thirdly, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. I think there's a bit of confusion about this. Uh, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Um, I can forgive a person who grows me even when that person doesn't repent. But reconciliation will be only an option when the offender repents, then we can be reconciled. Um, so th this is something important in, in, in places where there are, there are victims of violence or things like that. Uh, um, the victim, they, they have the, the power to forgive the offender, or, uh, but until the offender doesn't acknowledge that they have done something wrong, uh, they shouldn't be reconciled because it can be dangerous for the victim. So the victim can forgive, so the victim can keep walking in life, but reconciliation is only advisable when the offender repents and then they can be reconciled. So um, now we, we should ask, why is it so hard to forgive? <laughs> well, when we are grown by others, we feel anger. That's a natural feeling that comes in our hearts. Uh, we feel very often resentment. And our natural reaction is to hit back because we want revenge. But forgiveness goes against our natural reaction of hitting back. And instead of seeking revenge, we commit ourselves not to using the offense we have suffered against our offender in the present or in the future. So if I decide to forgive you, that means that if we argue again in the future, I'm not going to use what you did one month ago to me to bring it. Ah, look what you did to me. No, no, but you said you forgive me. So it's about that. I decide to forgive you, so I'm not going to use this against you anymore. So that's my decision. And it's not easy. It's a, it's a, it's, you, have, you need to have a strong will to be committed to that. I decided I'm not going to use it against you anymore. 
Eventually, that decisional forgiveness may turn into an emotional forgiveness too. That is that the anger and resentment may fade uh, and may leave room for positive emotions. Then remembering the offense is not painful anymore. And uh, yesterday, uh, I was talking to my wife about uh, this lady, I think the most of you have heard about her, it's called Corrie Ten Boom. Uh, she, she wrote that book, uh, The Hiding Place. Um, basically, she was a lady from the Netherlands, and uh, her family, her father, and her sisters, they were helping uh, Jewish people. Uh, they were, um, uh, you know, this was around the Second World War. Uh, this was a Christian family. And eventually, she was taken into a concentration camp uh, with her sister. And just uh, 15 days before she was released from the concentration camp, her sister passed away in the concentration camp. Uh, then she, she left the, the concentration camp. And, and since that moment, she's been going around the world until she passed away, sharing, talking about forgiveness, about forgiving our enemies, about forgiving others. And she's, she, she shares... Uh, she tells a story that happened to her. Maybe you have, you have heard this before, but it's, it's, she was one day talking about forgiveness, the, the need we, we have to forgive our enemies, those who wrong us. And she said that by the end uh, in the room, she, she, she could see a man that was one of the guards in the, in the camp where she, she was taken. Um, and obviously, you can imagine how she felt at that point. No? And when she... She was talking about forgiving others, about forgiving our enemies. She said, by the end of the talk, this man approached her, and her heart was beating, beating. And, and this man came, and she said, um, Lady, Lady Boom, uh, I, since I left the, the, uh, the concentration camp, I have become a Christian, and my sins have been forgiven by God. But I've been praying to God that he will give me the opportunity to ask forgiveness myself to someone that was in the concentration camp. So today I want to ask you, will you forgive me? And she says that uh, everything inside of her was like, no, I cannot forgive you. She was remembering her sister who passed away. She was all, all the suffering that was inflicted to her family. But then she remembered how she was forgiven by Jesus through the cross. And, and then she asked God to help her. So God, will you help me? I'm going to extend my hand to shake the hand of this man. I'm going to tell him I forgive him, but I need your love to love him because it's not any love in me for him. So she took the decision to extend her hand and shake his hand. And she said that as soon as she took that decision, she felt overwhelmed with the love of God, like a stream of love of God came through her arm. And she shake the hand of this man and she said, dear brother, I forgive you with all my heart. And this is amazing. This is a, a power that belongs to God. We, we can decide to forgive. That's a decision. But um, and sometimes it takes a while to, uh, to reach to that emotional forgiveness. In this case, for this lady, uh, it was instantly. God gave her the love. And the anger and the resentment just fade away straight, straight away there. So one of the great things about forgiveness is that when we forgive those who have sinned against us, we break the cycle of violence that comes from seeking revenge. This is something that people of peace studies, they know this. That's why they research about forgiveness. Um, this means that we are not allowing the evil to be spread into the world. But by forgiving, by turning the other cheek, something that Jesus uh, said we should do, 
that evil dies in us. So when someone harms you and you decide to forgive that person, instead of extending, extending the evil to the world, that evil dies in you. That, that's a very powerful thing to do. Um, and in the Bible, we can read in uh, Romans 12, 21, it says, do, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is something that teachers was, Jesus was teaching us to do. So this is talking about human forgiveness, but, but going a bit deeper, going now to, to divine forgiveness. Um, the Bible, the emphasis of the Bible is in divine forgiveness, actually. It's in uh, from God to person. The whole Bible runs uh, around the cross. That's the heart of the Bible, the message of forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's very important because all of us, we have sinned against God, as we read in Romans 3.23. And we need to be forgiven by him in order that we can be reconciled to our creator. Some person may say, I've never done anything wrong against God. I don't know even who God is. So how can you say I have sinned against God? So why, why do I need his forgiveness? But actually, all of us, we have sinned against God. And at least, I will say that in two different ways. Uh, on one hand, sinning against other people um, implies sinning against God. Because persons are part of God's creation. So when you attack another person, when you harm another person, by extension, you are attacking uh, the creator of that person who is behind that, that person is God himself. And on the other hand, living our lives, ignoring God, is also sinning against God. Because that means that somebody else or something else will take his place in our hearts, and that sin is called idolatry. So at least in two different ways, all of us, we have sinned against God. And in our original text of Mark 2, uh, 1 to 12, Jesus claims to have the right and the power to forgive the sins of this paralytic man. And by claiming that, he's claiming to be God. Um, let's go back then to this uh, original text. Uh, and let's, go, let's go a bit deeper then in this. So Jesus, he's in a house in Capernaum, probably the house of Peter. Uh, this was a city he's been, he has visited a few times uh, where he had taught in the synagogue um, and and where he had healed many, many people of different diseases. In this occasion, Jesus is preaching like other times with a crowded house and many other people outside listening to him. But suddenly, something incredible happened. So can we go two more two slides ahead? Yeah, yeah, there, thank you. So Jesus is talking there, and four guys were carrying a man. They are trying to get close to Jesus, but it's impossible because it's fully crowded all around. So they think, okay, let's make, make a hole on the roof of the, ha of the house. We, we need to think that the roof at that point wouldn't be like now. So it, it wasn't really difficult to move some of the things that were on the roof to put someone down. But still, it was quite a brave approach, man. Uh, quite brave approach. Let's make a hole on the roof and let's put this man down. So they did that. Because the idea was to put this man in front of Jesus. That's what they really wanted to do. This is a dramatic story. A paralyzed man so desperate to come to Jesus that he's happy for his friends to take him to make a hole in the roof for a roof of a house that is not his house and to put him down in front of Jesus. Obviously, his friends and this paralyzed man himself were looking for physical healing. 
That's, that's what they were looking for. Because that, that's what Jesus has been doing until then, until that point uh, in Capernaum. Nevertheless, when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of all of them, the faith of the five men, the four friends and the man going down in the mud, he said to the paralytic man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, no one was expecting this. People knew Jesus could heal because he had been healing others already in Capernaum. But no one expected Jesus to say, son, your sins are forgiven. As, as, as I say, Jesus was claiming to have the right to forgive the sins of this man. And that was a huge claim. Why was a huge claim? Let's think about it. Uh, there is not any sign in this story that Jesus knew this man from before. So it seems that this is the first time actually Jesus is meeting this man. So we cannot think that this politic man that has done had done something wrong against Jesus before in any other encounter. It seems this is the first time actually they are meeting person to person. Nevertheless, Jesus is saying, I have the right to forgive your sins. So obviously, he's not talking that horizontal forgiveness we are talking about because it's nothing that this man could have done before against Jesus. He's talking about that divine forgiveness. You know, any sin you have done against God, you have done it against me. So I have the right to forgive your sins. So that's a huge claim. He's claiming to have the right to forgive the sins of this man in a vertical way. And obviously, some teachers of the law were there and they knew what Jesus meant by saying that. Uh, in, in verse uh, Mark 2, 6, 7, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why that, does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they were right. The sins committed against God only can be forgiven by God himself. And if Jesus has the right to forgive all the sins of this man, it's because Jesus is God. So only, Jesus, only God can forgive the sins. Um, the truth is that Jesus wasn't blaspheming because he was God himself. C.S. Lewis once said that uh, a great uh, sentence. He says, Jesus goes about talking as he as he, if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he has always existed, and he says he's coming to just the wall at the end of the time. That's great stuff. That's something that Jesus was saying about himself. He says that he can forgive sins. He says he's always existed, and he says that he's coming at the end of the wall to judge the wall. Who is that person? Who is coming at the end of the wall to judge the wall? Who can forgive the sins of the whole humanity? and who has always existed. He said, before Abraham was, I was. And you will see the Son of Man coming at the end of times in the clouds to judge the world. So he's talking about himself. Obviously, Jesus is claiming to be God. So here we have these teachers of the law knowing what Jesus is saying. Uh, but they didn't say it by words. They just thought it. It was only in their hearts. They were thinking, what is Jesus saying? Then straight away, Jesus shows another sign of his divinity by having access to the thoughts of these men. Because the, uh, here in the text says that they thought in their hearts, but Jesus knew what they were thinking. Um, and that's, that's another sign of his divinity. There is a text in the Old Testament, in uh, the book of Daniel, where there is an, there is an interesting story where uh, Nabu, Nabucodonosor, king of Babylon, had a dream that disturbed him. It was a very disturbing dream. And then he, 
calls around him all the uh, magicians, all the astrologers, the sorcerers, and he asks them, can any of you tell me what I dream and interpret? And then you can interpret my dream. But they didn't manage, although they had the power of Satan, because they were magicians, uh, astrologers, sorcerers. They didn't know what the king had dreamt last night, the, the previous night. But then it was someone there in that kingdom called uh, Daniel that he knew, he knew uh, the God of the Bible. And the God of Daniel revealed to Daniel what the king uh, had dreamt last night. So we, we can see that God has, he has access to our hearts, to our minds, to our thoughts, to our dreams. Here, Jesus, he's um, showing the same power saying, I have the power to, to know what you're thinking, to see your heart, to see your mind. That's a power that belongs to God. So Jesus knew the thoughts of these teachers, showing a sign, another sign of his divinity. This, uh, this may help us to understand that although the paralytic man didn't verbalize his repentance to receive Jesus' forgiveness, Jesus will have perceived an attitude of repentance in the heart of this man in order for Jesus to forgive his sins. This is important because without repentance, we cannot experience the forgiveness of our sins. And in order to receive any kind of forgiveness, human or divine, we need to repent of the wrongs we have committed. And like any other gift, forgiveness needs to be accepted. And the way to accept it is through repentance. So there is forgiveness in the cross, available forgiveness for everyone, but like any other gift, it needs to be accepted. Because we can reject gifts, don't we? If someone gives you a gift, you can say, I don't want it. So you experience, you, you, you enjoy that gift only when you extend your hands and you receive it. And the way to receive the gift of forgiveness from Jesus is by repentance. So, well, say that, let's go back to the four friends and the paralytic man again. His friends managed to put this man who couldn't walk in, the, in front of Jesus by breaking the roof uh, of this house, uh, probably the house of Peter, and lowering the, the mat this man was lying on. They expected Jesus to heal him, so he could leave the house probably walking on his own. So they didn't need to take the man back again through the roof back. So they, they put the man down, and Jesus will heal him, and he will walk by himself. Nevertheless, when Jesus saw the faith of all of them, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. The paralytic man had an obvious physical need, uh, but for Jesus, that wasn't the priority. The priority for Jesus was to forgive the sins of this man, because as Jesus said in a different occasion, it is better to enter heaven crippled than to have to feed and being thrown into hell, in Mark 9.45. Some people may have material needs too, and they may think that's the priority in their lives, but Jesus insists that's not the priority because what good is it, is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? These are words from Jesus too. So hell is real. And in the Bible, the person that talks more about hell was Jesus himself. It's a place of eternal loneliness and pain it's the final destination for those who rejected God in their lives, uh, those who didn't want God, and eventually their wishes are granted. So for those who don't want God, eventually God says, okay, you have what you want. You didn't want me in your life. You, you have decided to go to hell where I'm not going to be. And, and that's 
really, really dramatic because basically hell is a place where God's presence is absent. God is not there. And that means that there is no love, there is no happiness, there is no friendship, there is anything good because everything good comes from God. Therefore, the first human need before than physical healing or material possessions is divine forgiveness, vertical forgiveness from God to us. And that was the first need that for this paralytic man too. Uh, that was the first need that Jesus identified in him. And that's why he said, your sins are forgiven. That's what you need above anything else. Eventually in his mercy, Jesus also heals the man physically and he can walk away carrying his own mat. I think that's the next slide. Um, he takes his own mat and he walks. So today I want I want you to know that divine forgiveness is available in Jesus. We've been singing about that. We've been sharing communion. We've been talking about that here. Um, Jesus has the right and the power to forgive our sins committed against God because he's God himself. He's God the Son. The forgiveness that Jesus offers to each of us is free, but it wasn't cheap. cheap. Jesus had to go to the cross to die for our sins. He could die for our sins because he had not committed any sin. He was sinless, the perfect sacrifice. That's, uh, that's why he could take my place and your place. Um, if you have done something wrong, uh, you will need to pay for your sins. But Jesus, he never did anything wrong. So he could take the place of all of us. So if you haven't accepted yet the forgiveness of Jesus for your sins, I would like to encourage you today to do it. That should be the priority in your life. Just to finish, uh, as you know, last, last Friday, millions of people followed the funeral service of uh, Billy Graham on television and, uh, and internet. And the funeral was led by his son, Franklin. And these are some of the words he said during the funeral. I know my father, Billy Graham, is now experiencing the joys of heaven. In this service, I want to ask all of you, if this were your funeral, would you be in heaven? That's a question I hope everyone reading this will, will answer in their own hearts. And if the answer is no, it is my prayer that you will turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be safe. Uh, so if you don't know Jesus yet, I want to encourage you to come today to him. Come in front of him today as this paralytic man and accept the forgiveness for your sin. Uh, it's free, it's a free gift, but it needs to be accepted. Jesus doesn't promise physical healing or ab abundance of material possessions, but he promises that everyone who calls on his name will be safe. That's a promise. In Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on his name already? If you haven't done it yet, today could be a good day. So let's pray. And after the... Now, when we finish the service, if you want to pray with someone else, just come in front and somebody from the prayer team will pray with you. Okay. Thank you, Jesus, because there is forgiveness in you. Thanks for going to the cross willingly and for taking our place. Thanks for uh, preparing a, a place for us in, in heaven with your Father. And thank you because you are coming back to take us uh, with you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.